Welcome to the Nostalgic Album Podcast. I'm Stovepipe. I'm Alex. And we're here to pump you up. I didn't know we were doing a Hans and Franz bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I feel like the next time we'll both do it at the same time, it'll be perfect. We're starting to get a good rhythm on this. So Halloween, unfortunately, is over. Our favorite, or one of our favorite holidays. Uh, we had a great time talking about Iron Maiden and Alice Cooper, and this week we're going to go in a slightly different direction, at least half of it will be. <laughs> and uh, Alex, as we talked about last week, you're a married father-to-be. Uh, what else is going on in your, in your life? Not much. I mean, discount Halloween candy, so that's bonus. Yum. Um, just working and trying to get the house ready to go. Right for for the for all the big for the um, youngling. Yep, all the thing, all the changes. That's excellent. I have uh, started to make my. Uh, oh, we were talking about how we need to plug our own. Yeah, we, Alex, I meant to do that last week when we did Halloween because you have a Halloween album, Justin. I do. I have a Halloween album, and by the time you're listening, to this Halloween might be just about over or totally over i can't do the math in my head right now halloween this year uh is on has been on depending on when you're listening to this uh a full moon on a saturday on daylight savings on 2020 yeah well i'm going to be doing some spells on that day to determine the coming election I'm just going to burn some sage around the yard. (laughs) You should, man. I would gladly do that with you. Uh, But yes, I have a Halloween album coming out. I am a one-man band singer-songwriter by trade and a soap maker. You can check out my fine soaps at stovepipesoaps.com, stovepipesoaps.etsy.com, and you can check out my Halloween album at onestovepipeband.bandcamp.com. Stovepipemagic.com, and I may put it on Spotify. It depends how pissed off I am that day, because usually I'm too pissed off at Spotify to give them my music, even though I know I should. Alex, what do you do? Careful. They're carrying our podcast. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Be nice. Okay. We, need, we need this. Be nice, but please pay musicians for Yeah, more than one one <laughs> hundred thousandth of a penny per hundred spins. Yeah. Um, I am a guitar maker yes, and repairman at Magnetic Heart Guitar Works. Yes. I'm hideously sorry that I picked such long names now that I have to spell all my emails. <laughs> um, I built Justin his Ouija board guitar yep. and his three-string axe. And then the diddly bow is the next project. Whenever we see fit to bring that into existence. Into existence, yeah. So shall it be. So shall it be. How do they find out about you? You can find me on Facebook at Magnetic Heart Guitar Works. Magnetic Heart is all one word in that. Um, I'm on Instagram at Magnetic underscore Heart underscore Guitar underscore Works. I'm right. sorry, it's all so long. That's all right. I'll post. We. Sh- I'll post everybody's links on. Yeah, our- and you can see his. Uh, actually, I'm on Instagram at. St- Stovepipe underscore Stover, and you can see I have many, many pictures of Alex's guitars tagged, so they're easy to find on there if you type magnetic cards on my, on my thing as well. He makes excellent guitars. You should get one. You should hire him to do a project. <laughs> Certainly. Please do. Always looking for a new, exciting... You got something weird? We're here to make it happen. I know. I think that should be your... Uh, that should be your... Uh, what do they call it? The like tagline. The tagline or the the uh, the zeitgeist of your <laughs> of your company is no, making no, weird guitars. There's nothing I won't try once. Right. Um, I've got some other cool stuff that, w- that I've done for not Justin, mm-hmm. but you can look on the Facebook page for that. Yes. Check him out. I feel like I need to get you a. I've improved a lot in my balms and soaps since I last gave you some. But I remember when you cracked open one, and I'm like, "Wow, this is terrible." I'll give you a good one next time. I'm next time we do this. So that's what we do. But we also are avid music connoisseurs, uh, and that is pretty much what we do here. If you're new to this podcast, what we do is we listen to albums from our past. Uh, right now, we're doing a. It has to be at least 20 years old, and uh, we rediscover. Uh, 
uh, well, we, we see if we do rediscover the magic of listening to that as a kid, and we try to pepper in a few things about what it means to age well or to age poorly. It's an unanswerable question that we will never get to the bottom of, but it's fun to try. But that's what we that's what we do here. That's why we do this, and I think it'll keep it fun for a while. I think so, too. I'm having a good time. What are we drinking? We are drinking Solid Gold Premium Lager from Founders oh, Brewing Jesus Company. Christ, that's good. Those of you who want a classier Coors right. Banquet beer, this is the one. Yeah, that is. See, the last week we drank that one that said it's good. It's a dark one for a summer's day. I'm like, no, this is what I think for a summer's yeah. day. Like, this is a gone. summer beer. Yeah, uh, the Parent Black from last week is a year rounder for me, but it certainly right. tastes better in the fall. Yes, it most certainly does. Um, <laughs> Didn't we do we did backwards bastard last time or two uh, times ago? A couple ago? weeks ago, the first Halloween episode, I believe. Yeah. Very true. So uh I wonder if we're gonna do a uh Christmas or Thanksgiving there's not really Thanksgiving albums. We can Christmas we could probably figure something out. <laughs> oh, we'll get I think Christmas needs to be uh that bad religion Christmas yeah. album and Right. I think uh the Spinal Tap album, Christmas with the Devil. <laughs> yes, we most certainly need to do that. So, um, one second. So, I thought we would do a very quick thing since we're doing Founders. Um, if you would go to, I believe it's SaveOurStages.com. Uh, it's dot org. Oh, it's dot org. Founders not only is a brewery, but they are a music venue who I'm sure... Uh, has taken a pretty big hit uh, from the loss of independent music playing on their stages, just like other great venues in the area, like Pyramid Scheme, Intersection, Tip Top. But I'm sure if you go to your own town, wherever you're listening from, uh, you should jump on this cause, too, of helping them get some government assistance to stay open, because I know they're struggling. So it's SaveOurStages.org? I believe so, yes. I mean, can you just imagine? I feel like whether you just started a venue or you've had a venue for a long time, this must be the most terrifying and sad event that could possibly a, happen. I don't know if anybody can comprehend what's really yeah. something of this magnitude happening because yeah. it's never happened before. No. And without those little venues and right. some more beloved ones in the wider Michigan area like St. Andrews Hall. Oh, yeah. I love that place. Jeez. Places like that, bands don't get a chance to right. get to having an album that's 20 years old. No. You don't start in the arena. You start in the basement or right. a bar with a stage that's no bigger than the corner right right and the sound man is also the bartender server <laughs> owner yep. And, yep you know sometimes he's your only paying yes. customer that night yep and the only one listening to your music <laughs> for those of you playing bob's country bunker from the blues brothers remember yeah. if you're getting paid for two hundred dollars don't drink $300 worth of beer. <laughs> the thing is, I've had experiences where that's absolutely been the case where I made that mistake. What is your favorite small venue? Oh, here in town, my favorite is probably the Pyramid Scheme. Mm -hmm. Michigan-wise, that I've my favorite one that I've been to kind of in general is either... I like Shakespeare's Pub in Kalamazoo I love a lot. Shakespeare's Pub. Yeah. It has to be the right kind of show. I've seen the wrong yeah. kind of show. They've been there. around for how long? A very long time. I saw the Mountain Goats there mm. before they were that famous. I mean, they are. My, my friends in the band Lokella played their very first show right. there four years ago. Right. And now they're kind of famous, at least in yeah. the Midwest. Nah, they're getting there. They're getting there. They got... They really got something special going with what they're doing, and they're. Yeah. I'm sure they've been affected by mm, by this. Their, yeah, it's they're hurting. Well, that I, sucks. But I lo also love St. Andrews Hall. Yep, it's coming back on the venues. So yep. Well, how about you? What are your favorites? Pier Pyramid Scheme is my favorite one. I wor I worked there, so I saw how good the workers and the owners are, and they do a lot of good things for the world and also on a social level but also musically uh, they 
pay their bands fair, treat their workers well, and uh, the musicians like playing there, they definitely need some help. It's pretty scary. Uh, Tip Top would be probably my second favorite one. I really like Ted. I like the the uh, nasty biker bar vibe mm-hmm. where you don't want to go outside for too long. Well, that that's just because they call the cops. Because they call that's right. Yeah, music, yeah that, but they were having problems before. Still are. The, I mean, the other one I would say probably the Ark because um, I like I like the the punk metal mm-hmm. in Ann Arbor. Rock, yeah, yeah, rock clubs. But when I want to go to to see like, uh, geez, I saw Amy Mann there. It was wonderful. Uh, and the listening room. I right before this shit happened. Oh, I, there. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it's the arc uh, for Grand Rapids. Yeah. Um, my wife and I considered doing our surprise wedding there. Oh, Jesus. Briefly. Yeah. They probably could use your money right now. Yeah. Uh, parents' backyard was much more Safe. in the uh, yeah. idiom of the time frame in which we pulled right. that magical... Yeah day together so right yeah it was that would have been fun but that's probably better uh but yeah they got great cocktails owner's a good dude um i yeah. saw john doe and grantley phillips john doe of the formerly of or no currently of the punk band x and solo Kristen hirsch from throwing muses and then grant lee from grantley buffalo and his solo stuff and from the gilmore girls <laughs> so they got and uh jesus they're gonna have uh Loudon Wainwright the third was going to play there. Their last show that they had before the pandemic was Ladysmith. Was it Ladysmith Bombo? Black Mombazo. Black, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Simon's friggin' band, you know. So it's that is a loss and a half. I, I think we saw you there. No, no, no. You guys went to Hamilton know. the night that I played there. Oh, that's right, we did. Yeah, Sorry. you made a wise choice. I Sorry, mean. bud. Don't, don't apologize. I mean, not, Fuck I mean, you, but just kidding. I think that means the last place that I saw you was play was home at the Bob. The last... No, when the last, you did the YCE. No, you saw me at Pyramid Scheme play with Amigo the Devil. Oh, that's right. I, I, gave, I put you guys love, on the guest list. Love Amigo. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah. Weirds my co-workers out. <laughs> well, in, in, on that's that show... because I keep playing, I hope your husband dies oh, yeah. on I, uh, <laughs> That guy, I should have... Man, I, that would have been a fun one to pick for Halloween, but... Uh, but he had, no, he's not twenty years old. But I remember he he was like a super laid back dude and funny. But when I walked past there, he and his wife, he and his uh, wife were doing tarot readings for each other. So he's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> he's not just a, <laughs> full of shit, you know. Um, so this we didn't really have a theme this week because Halloween's over. But we're just uh, going back to picking albums from our our youth uh, while drinking Founder Solid Gold IPA, crossing our fingers uh, for November third and. Hoping that music venues will be okay in the long run. Again, saveourstages.org. They need our help more than ever. Let's flip that coin. I'm going to go. What do I usually pick? I'm going to pick heads this time. Wait. What did I pick heads time? last week. Let's do and tails you lost last time. again. It's heads I won again. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to get a. I need to get a different coin for you, maybe. Is that a double sided coin? You want to look at it? No. It's out of your pocket, so. No, it just, God hates me. <laughs> so. Uh, it's a living... Slayer album we'll cover later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it is, isn't it? So Living Color reminds me of the show In Living Color, where Jim Carrey first appeared. But in this case, it's a uh, kind of R&B slash heavy metal band. And uh, did it live up to the magic of your youth? <sighs> Yes, but I had to do some digging to get to that point. Yep. Um, all they had on Spotify is the expanded edition. Right. It's got a bunch of extra stuff that yeah. it doesn't need. I hate expanded editions. Granted, their cover of The Clash is Should I Stay or Should I Go, yeah. which is on the expanded edition. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the, the original album that stops at, I believe, Which Way to America mm-hmm. is... One of my favorite albums ever, and that was Vivid. Is it is? Yeah. I nineteen eighty nine. I think right. I believe so. I'm gonna look it up okay. while we're talking about it. But do you recall um, when you first bought this album? This one was in the Columbia House box. Right. Um, that's gonna be a ubiquitous. It is. Uh, that's the. <laughs> uh, it's the first time. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. It was uh, 
That was where I bought it. I still have the copy. Mm-hmm. Somehow I haven't worn it out, but um, I'd been hearing about it as a you know budding guitar player right. for ever because it lands in all the lists of a hundred albums to listen to before you die mm-hmm. and all of those. Yeah, it's it's a it's considered. I think in every. Uh, Top 100 albums of the 80s or 90s, that one always comes up. It's firmly influential. Mm -hmm. And I remember being very interested because it was the first hard rock album I had heard where all the members were African American or not white in general at all. Granted, that's probably because I didn't listen to Suicidal Tendencies when I was younger. And that has a pretty... Heavy person of color ratio in yeah. the line. They do? I believe so. Okay, I know nothing about that. I've never heard a single song, so maybe you should pick one of theirs. You sh- you've heard one, maybe. I get them confused with that punk band, Social Distortion. Oh. You know. I like Social I Distortion. I'd say they're like white California <laughs> pop punk. Well, that's the. Their template is the template of punk that I enjoy with the Me melo- heavy melody and like Bad Religion. Yep, later Descendants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, MXPX. And- you know, kind of jumping back on the Vivid train though. It yeah. was like that album is to this day. It's I don't feel like there's anything that's been like it since yeah. or before it. Remember that band Death? But no, they were out in the 70s. Mm, yeah, with Chuck Schuldinger. Right. The origins of actual death metal, the band Death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, at the time, the, this is a very, very socially conscious album. It is. Uh, did, and and I'll go into this when it's my turn, but uh, this too has a very pivotal part in my uh, musical discography. Did at the time the social message resonate with you in any shape, way, shape, or form? No, <laughs> I was <laughs> my answer to way, way, way too young to absorb right. that kind of those kinds of right. things going on in the world. I mean, you have songs about slumlords, yeah, and... yep. let her do a landlord. Yep, that's what I wondered yep. because the name um, of it just lacks subtlety. <laughs> you know, I know as a kid you read that and you're like, what's the landlord? So shy on su- that album's actually really shy on subtlety. Funny yeah. vibe is all about oh, yeah. the perception of uh, yeah. people of color on the street. And yeah, I, I won't uh, it, take the, the mic away from you, know, you but the like, list goes on and on with socially conscious. Yeah, that was that song had the that was pretty relevant to today. Like the woman in the park, you know, call oh them. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, wow, these guys are. <laughs> It's too bad we're still at this point. Yeah, how are we still here? Mm-hmm. Almost thirty years later. So you don't think there's even a subconscious influence? I, there may have been. Yeah, but my parents raised me pretty well in terms of you know, yeah. equal treatment for everybody. Right, and that's good. All those good, all those good things. Okay. So it's kind of it wasn't like what did they say? Which I think we're can, supposed to do that. Which I think is partly what contributed to that social message going yeah. over my head because I was already right. kind of on that right. track where. Why do we even have to talk about this? Why is this? Yeah. Why is this still an issue? Can right. we all just not be jerks? Yeah, and here, here. But apparently, no, no, we can't. <laughs> <sighs> what uh, did you think the album aged well as far as production sound? I mean, message is as, as we've covered. <laughs> We're still learning <laughs> or not learning. Her message but, is still yeah. sadly thoroughly relevant. Right. And, but production wise, I think it actually did age fairly well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a lot of, because it's so diverse. I think it kind of right. pushed that 80s production right. sound away from it all on its own, where it right. kind of. You know, because the next track's a funk track, and 
you know, you're going up and it's not all straightforward rock. Mm. I mean, you have uh, one of my favorites, uh, Glamour Boys, is basically a yeah. disco song. Yeah, I, and, I like that one. Which I was struggling to find the message on that one. I'm not yeah. sure because I heard the lyrics a couple of different ways as I was listening to it, but I love that song. Well, I remember at the time my brother, and we were both kind of pretty homophobic at the time but he thought it was like an anti-gay song i'm sure it wasn't but like, i feel you know. like it was an anti-club boy song okay all right it's kind of the vibe i was getting because he's talking about how you know the kids in the clubs you never know where the money came from right it's mom yeah. and dad's money and mm-hmm. or it's all on credit and right it you know, it's like a the, anti-poser song. Yeah, it's a you know all these the club kids are a dime a dozen, yeah. and I'm out here. I'm the real you know I'm right. the real deal. And... Yeah. <laughs> so what's a uh, do you have a what's a memory you have of listening to this album and feeling feeling damn good, feeling uh, caught up in it? Hot summer days, walking or it's not quite summer when you're just done with school. I listen to it a lot walking home. Mm-hmm. And when it's, you know, 85 degrees already, right. it's something about it feels upbeat and better. Mm-hmm. Like it just, granted, you know, because they packaged this heavy social message right. in this really, frankly, it's like a delicious candy coating. Yeah. Kind of, and right. you don't like when you're 13. Unless you're living that scenario, you don't think about it. You don't it. think about it. So, what do you have any idea what their influence, how substantial their influence is on on ongoing rock and roll history after they came around? I just they seem to be. I feel like it's minimal, really, almost, just because of if you watch the trajectory of hard rock and the way it kind of went right it steered through seattle and then it's yeah, kind of right. trapped there almost right right and seattle was a bunch of i love it but it was it's, a bunch of white kids complaining about things that weren't a big deal it steered through seattle and then got trapped in new england a little right. bit and kind of that's kind of where it stuck which is i find it really interesting to compare like the dynamic qualities of bands from the east coast and bands from the right. west coast i feel like because the winters are so much worse right, yeah when you come from vermont yeah. or maine yeah north <laughs> carolina yeah. or yeah. new england in general yeah you have nothing to do for like eight and a half oh, months but be sad and angry because right. you haven't seen the sun and we yes yeah, us mainers love to complain about the weather uh, because it's the only way to survive that kind of weather. <laughs> it's true. It's Michi- Michiganders, too. There's a reason. How about that weather is a yeah, question right, for yeah. small talk. And, and then you get excited for the answer. So this album, though, had a pretty big... Even if the band waxed and waned, this album seems to be pretty formative it's, for a lot of people. I feel like it lands in those lists for a reason. Right. And that reason may or may not be solely be based on musicality or the groundbreaking nature of the makeup of the band or whatever it is, but they're phenomenal musicians too. You don't make an album that's that elemental Mm -hmm. and pure and raw without talent. Right. And they were known for... I remember seeing them on Saturday Night Live for, as a kid, and it was like the first really, really impressive live thing I'd ever seen, you know? Oh, yeah. They're energetic. And yeah. I remember watching. He had the, he had the rainbow. Uh, oh, did he? Dreadlocks. Yeah, he had his dreadlocks. They were all the rainbow color headbanging. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the bodysuit. Yep. The wetsuit that he was wearing. Mm-hmm. That's right, he wore a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying, yeah. That had to be so sweaty. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. I don't know what led looked, him to that. Cool I don't know what led him to that choice. Yeah. It just feels hot and sweaty. Yeah. But I 
I remember watching like gear interviews with their guitar player Vernon Reed, who is I'm gonna say the most poetically sloppy guitar player I've ever heard in mm-hmm. my life. Because you listen to like the solo on Cult of Personality yeah. and it's just it's an utter just like it doesn't feel like he's doing anything correctly. It right. feels like he's just kind of purely playing notes for as fast and as many as he can yeah. with no particular rhyme or reason. But if you listen more closely, he yeah. actually what he's playing makes perfect sense. It's, and it sounds really good. Cool. And it sounds really <laughs> good. But when you're just like kind of going through it, it's right. like... It's like he just started banging on the fretboard yeah, with I, a spoon, and that's what yeah. came out. And yeah, I think when people, I, I was so young, but I think a lot of people didn't know what hit them when they came out. No, and that's what I hear. No, and I think that's part of what makes it come up as one of those classic must listens. Yeah. Is that you still don't know what happened, right? But you know it was cool. Yeah. And didn't they I heard the album they released after this was very poorly received or sold really poorly. Had like a it did. person on the front and yeah. I remember losing interest, like reading a review that was yeah, they, negative and they went very like the trajectory is very hootie and the blowfish like Really? You went they sold a bunch of copies and then just like Oh, economically it was? Yeah. Well I thought I meant like artistically they started doing like no, playing with a mandolin or something. Oh, uh, Corey Glover, the lead singer, went Broadway. He was Judas oh. Iscariot in uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ. Superstar. And I, I think I for heard a minute, that. and that's cool. Something else. I was just looking this up before we taped this. I don't right. know why I don't remember. I like doing it on the fly, though. It's kind of fun. Hmm. It makes us feel like yeah. they're hanging out with us. I hope so, listeners. There we go. Oh, Wikipedia says that uh, Cult of Personality got used as a WWE entry. Oh, really? Huh. Song. That could be good. And it was on Guitar Hero 3 and Grand Theft Auto and... I mean, that was probably the first riff I I had heard. (laughs) Well, I was playing it when you came in today. um, They won a Grammy for their second album, but I don't think it sold. It didn't sell as well. And then they broke up in 95 after their third album and reunited in 2000. In 2000. And they've been doing... Show since then. Yep. Yeah. They've done three albums since then, all of which have more or less kind of been a deaf ears. Thing, right. But yeah, they probably have their following of people who buy them. Yeah. It's, I'm sure they made it. I'm, I'm sure they get some royalties off of <laughs> Cult of Personality. Oh, I'm sure, they, I'm sure the licensing royalties are healthy. Yeah. That sells everywhere. That riff is yeah. iconic. Yeah, just getting a guitar. I mean, that's got, here it's, it's got to be a pretty good paycheck. Mm, I hope it is. Mm, it might have been by the time they were, but the original Guitar Hero 1 and 2. Yeah. The artists saw no royalties because they were performed, but the tracks were performed by studio musicians oh, who played it similarly. Yeah, but not that's enough good. to like get the ASCAP and BMI yeah. fees on it. That's bullshit. Which is a shame. It is. But then they went and did it the right way for the third one. For the third one, right? Right. So, um, well, I guess the the last question is the elevator question. If you were in an elevator with somebody, <laughs> mm. what would you say to them to make them listen to listen to Living Colors Vivid from 1988? I want to go back to the hand it to them and walk away, but I can't keep <laughs> can't doing keep that. On that one. I can't do it with everyone. Uh, this one's shove it up their ass and then kick them <laughs> in the groin and walk out. <laughs> Oh, can't do that either. Yeah, Um, please don't. This one, it's just... It's 
art for art's sake right. with a conscience. Yes, it is. And it'll take you a while to hear the conscience right. unless you're an adult who's thinking. Right. Yeah. But it's worth it. That was very persuasive. You you need to you need to keep going in that direction. Although the just to, hand it to him and walking away. That was beautiful. <laughs> Shove it in their face <laughs> and scream, Listen to it <laughs> You son of a bitch. All right. Oh, I might still get Glamour Boys stuck in my head. <laughs> The funny vibe one. I remember they had a music video that I saw as a kid because we didn't have cable TV in the sticks. But my friend, my brother's nerdy friend Harold, would tape us like eight hours of MTV, and that was on there. And it was so weird for me; I didn't even know what was going on. Well, it uh... yeah again. When you're exposed to it at an age where that's not something that makes sense. Right. All right, so you like the album still. It sounds like you really enjoyed it. I loved one. it. Yep. What did you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, this was the first... I remember getting this album uh, in Columbia House as a tape. <laughs> And um, because I saw them on Saturday Night Live, and just I, I think he was like the first weirdo I had seen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the heavy metal, I mean, the pop people certainly weren't weird. And um, and the ones that were, I didn't like. Like, I remember not like, I talked about a, in a prior episode, being freaked out by The Cure. I remember thinking Depeche Mode was, was too nerdy, but I liked the, you know, the cock rockers and the pop singers uh and these were the first like weird looking people that i enjoyed the music of and i saw it on sorry night live bought the tape and my brother who um for the most part always seemed to like good music and make fun of me for liking shit uh was impressed by my selection of that tape like when we when my columbia house tapes came through and he's looking through them he's like terrible 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 oh living color this is a great this tape i did i thought it and actually i was afraid this one wouldn't have aged well uh as far as production it didn't have that tinny sound that drives me crazy from the 80s like we covered in my half i think it saved itself from that by being so different all the time yeah yeah um the the message didn't uh hit me i don't think i don't think as a kid i even knew what was going on there but uh it was um surprisingly relevant like the landlord song now during covid which where that is actually happening in front of her eyes mm-hmm. uh, along with the woman in the park or, or anybody who is who has called the cops on someone because a strange african-american man is in their neighborhood oh you know uh so i thought that was pretty interesting uh his his vocals uh were are unbelievable and uh the guitar. I would say the thing that hit me the most in the wheelhouse was the guitar playing. I just thought it was really crisp and cool, and and it like you said uh, earlier, it was off kilter, but it it had a uh, a holistic uh, framework that made even that sound really it, part of a whole. The insanity serves the purpose mm-hmm. of the whole. Mm-hmm. The only. This isn't even a negative. Like it's it's a little preachy at times, even though I think these are things that you should preach about, especially now. Uh, but um, I don't know. There there were times where it seemed like there was one line. What was it? It was so obviously like the message was good, but the delivery was just just not like you still. It went a little wrong there. And... Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been the landlord song, um, but like it just this things that that. Uh, I, I don't know. That was the only thing I noticed, but uh, I really liked the album. I was really upset that I didn't catch them when they played at the Pyramid Scheme like five years ago. Now I'm disappointed. Oh, yeah, yeah, it should be. But they'll come back. Yeah, maybe, let's, let's hope so. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully our pitch at the beginning will make them come back. Um, but um, yeah, I I, I was. I can. I wasn't blown away. Uh, it was more like, um, wow! I'm glad that I was able to hear this at a young age because I, I think if they were the first weirdos that I had seen on screen, and I was able to recognize 
that like this is what a live performance should be like super raw and like balls out and <laughs> and and immediately grabs all your attention then that must have put me on a pretty healthy musical path. Like I would say they're probably connected in some way to me finding good music. Um, as fun as cock rock and pop is, I'm glad I didn't just listen to that. <laughs> and I would credit them in, in no small way for that. I feel like Harold didn't manage to tape you any King's X then because back when they came out, uh, Doug Pinnock had himself a feathered mohawk. Oh, really? And a couple of earrings. Oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> Jeez, I wouldn't, I mean, God, I wouldn't even know what to do with do with that. That that's feathered cool. mohawk was something majestic yeah. to behold, too. If you look at the old King's X press photos, yeah. it's great. Well, I actually thought of, I mean, some parallel between your choice of King's X and, and Living Color. And the thing is, King's X at the on that uh, Gretchen Ghost to Nebraska album, it was socially conscious for the particular circle that they were in at the time. Like, you know, they'd sing about songs um, as churchgoers at the time that were important to them. Mm-hmm. And in Living Color, or in Living Color, Living Color was definitely a more broad, socially conscious one. But I think there's some parallels there. Uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's funny that you, you mentioned that because that that's immediately, I figured like, if he picked one, he was bound to pick the other. <laughs> well, both uh, one of them was definitely coming. The King's X was a little more, yeah, unexpected, I guess. Yeah, but I knew I was going to do Live in Color at some point at for some this point. podcast, and apparently, we're going to do it early on. It's going to be before the tenth episode, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, any other? Uh, uh, that that's my most. I mean, one. I covered. St- I feel like I covered too much ground a little bit with it. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I don't know what else. I uh, answered my own question. Do you have a different elevator speech for it? I would maybe. I would say read about the album first and then listen to it. Um, Well, that's not really an elevator speech. I would say like um, if I was in, in an elevator speech with somebody, I'd say, "Hey, you should listen to this album. It really answers to a lot of the things that we're going through right now as a as a country and culture." Uh, but I would highly recommend reading about the band first because I may not think it sounds dated. You may not think it sounds dated, but I think most completely new listeners, especially young people, would think it was a little bit dated. Oh, yeah. Slap bass, you know, and so if you Funk listen to it and chord. have a frame of reference, you'd see, wow, this is a super important album. Funk chord progressions. Right. Uh, Appearances by Chuck D and Flavor Flav from Public Enemy. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean... Like, people wouldn't even... I mean, that's speaking Greek at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get in, We'll get into some uh, more of that old-school hip-hop later in the oh, series, Jesus, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because... Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. Mm-hmm. I already picked mine. <laughs> okay. I picked Paul's Boutique earlier, but I think I'm going to save it for uh, if we do a full-on Beastie Boys episode. Yeah, I could... Definitely. Hello, Nasty. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll pick something else like Run DMC's Raising Hell or something. I would know everything you were talking about on that one. (laughs) Um, So, yes, you should listen to this Mm -hmm. album. (laughs) What an awkward elevator speech we just made. Hey, you hit your floor three four floors ago, but yeah. I'm purposely holding this button yeah, because right. you need to listen you need to, to listen this. this album. Right. I think I think if I could amend mine, I would say, or to play off of your read about them first, I would right. say, listen to it twice. Yeah, I can see that. The message the message is a little bit clear is right. a lot clearer the second time, right? Because there's so much musical density, right? to this album because yeah. you have funk tempos and disco tempos mm-hmm. and straight ahead rock and, and a little bit of hip hop funny vibe and, yep and some hip hop oh, funny vibe has such a good guitar part yeah, too yeah. I mean there's a lot like the part where they go funny vibe I thought that was a little <laughs> stupid but I mean, it was right? yeah it was I feel like that was a bad sample yeah but it was just I, I remember listening to it the first time and thought the CD skips already, and then I realized it wasn't. That was part of the song, and that's probably how the trend of uh, "Wooka Wooka" came about. Was the record skipping? You know, <laughs> like yeah, that sounds cool. 
or somebody's parents grabbing it off the turntable because <laughs> you're not supposed to listen to that. Yeah, you can't listen to Kiss. <laughs> oh, do I have any more questions for you? I don't. I don't think so. Your album was quite a bit longer than mine this week, right. so and I feel like we should. Soundtracks are a tough one because it's not just one mm-hmm. band. I feel like we should spend. We should devote more time to it. So let's. Yeah. Uh, Let's shift the let's shift the script and start talking about the crow. Original motion picture soundtrack from the nineteen ninety four movie starring Brandon Lee, who was murdered accidentally on the set. Oops. Part of the twenty seven club. <laughs> which is which we need to do for a future one is people in the twenty seven club. <laughs> I'm not picking Nirvana because I'll have unkind things to say about Nevermind and I don't feel like I should do that. I know. I'll, I'll pick them. <laughs> I'll, I'll still have unkind things to say about Nirvana, but at least it won't be my pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that lesson go for you? Uh, it was. Oh, it was unbelievably positive. Uh, this was definitely uh, the Crow was the movie I talk about in Living Color being the first weird. Uh, people that i had seen which is crazy because music is essentially weird people you know using melody and time and (laughs) and instrumentation to to say things but uh it was it was remarkably positive but the crow was the movie like like i always felt like i didn't fit in even though believe it or not i was fairly popular when i was in high school but like uh i but i had an inner weirdo in me and the crow helped me to express that more without losing all of my friends because they thought it was a cool movie. So when I when I come in wearing all black, you know, and I had hair back then, I believe it or not, and it was <laughs> and it was long like uh, Brandon Crow's and that I didn't dye it or anything. But I remember going to a haunted house and in the year Crow came out and uh, there was a guy dressed up like the crow in the front. I remember buying the movie as soon as it came out on VHS uh, for not a small amount of, amount of money. It was like thirty bucks. Well, VHS was the price the same as a DVD was ten years right. ago. Yep. And also, but at the time, movie theaters had a, a certain uh, right to those movies, and so they were selling us like a mechanical license. And so I don't know if you remember this, but VHS tapes were actually could be upwards. Of like eighty nine dollars, yeah, yeah, and that's no, when the used market succeeded because they were like, "Man, I know you guys aren't going to pay for this." And then DVDs competed by bringing the price way down, and then put VHS. But yeah, I paid like a lot of money to buy this. <laughs> I don't remember them being that. Yeah, but they were. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm forty. <laughs> yeah, you bought a mechanical license when you bought a VHS tape. My which parents you to watch bought. Your own. My parents bought most of my. VHS tapes and a great many of them were Disney. Well, Disney and movies that were blockbusters where they had recouped so much money that they were able to forward the savings on to the consumer, like Home Alone, would be like 1999. And I remember like being excited when I found like, whoa, Edward Scissorhands is going to be 20 bucks. We can buy that. But I'd be like, oh shit, uh, The Crow is going to be 70, you know, or or Mm -hmm. some movie, you know, that was like good but not a mainstream success um but yeah no i mean i think it's i think the thing i do like about this which is why i thought it was okay to pick a soundtrack because normally i don't know if i would is that the whole thing sounds cohesive a b it's one fantastic band after the other several of them covering bands from the past Mm -hmm. like suicide no nine inch nails covers suicide on this um, covering all these great bands that were given voice, like Violent Femmes. I mean, like I didn't know what fucking Violent Femmes was when I bought this album. Mm-hmm. Then I heard this one. I'm like, oh, these guys rule. Uh, but also, it's the the entirety of it sounds like the Crow watches. Super dark, super no- graphic novelly, and super creepy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I loved it. Again, fitting with last week's Halloween theme. Yeah. And the week previous, because Halloween is great. Yes, it is. And... Yeah, and uh, the uh, so yes, it most certainly lived up to to every bit of it. Uh, I hadn't listened to this album in twenty years. The uh, the soundtrack aspect makes it a little more tricky of a listen to find. 
you know, production things to nitpick or right. stuff like that because they just they pull finished things they and just finished things. pile them on. Right. So that at that point it becomes like song order and packaging right. and yeah, and all to their, those things. To def- their credit, it didn't feel like they, they picked these songs just to make the movie <laughs> seem cool or be, to take mm-hmm. advantage of whatever band was trendy. Like there's a holism. Like I felt like I was watching the movie as I listened to this. So you're right. Song order was key in this one. Like it's almost like if the song was were in different orders, it might not be successful. So uh, the only nitpicky thing I can think of is that there is a lot of the the borderline hard rock heavy metal bands did a guitar sound that at the time I thought was cool, and now I think is too much. Where it's like, you know, just. I felt like there was a few moments like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, an example. Did you see the movie Lost Highway? No. Okay. So, well, in that movie, if you ever watch that, there's a guitar sound that plays way too often, and that's what I'm referring to that shows up. But just like a, almost like too much chug. Um, the The song that completely... There's two songs that blew me away that I thought sounded... Almost better than you know. A lot of people say like the memory of music is even better yeah. than the current listen of mm-hmm. it. Uh, there were things on this where I, where it sounded better as I was listening to it than even my memory of it, which is pretty pretty amazing. Uh, Big Empty, the Stone Temple Pilots one. Oh that's God, a, that's a great song. I love that song. So I, good. I. I feel like that carries a little extra weight because Scott Weiland is. Mm-hmm tragically also no longer with us yeah that's right yeah which since we're doing a podcast based on 20 plus year old albums there's yeah. gonna be a lot of dead musicians a lot of dead music really suicide or at least at least this isn't gonna be a really sad episode yeah. because no one's died recently, recently right? and we didn't happen to both pick albums where key players had passed on right. i believe right well, I mean, the the thing about, and I'll probably turn the question around to you eventually, but like the thing about that song that I liked best was the intro was like super bare bones, beautiful slide guitar playing, and the verses sound completely different than the chorus, which is why I think I love that chorus. I love the chorus, and I and I like that song structure because the thing about, I mean, I'm so disconnected from contemporary pop music that I don't even feel like I can criticize it. But when I was still actively involved, listener in contemporary music would be like 2003 or four mainstream indie. I still am pretty contemporary, but like, I remember like Hoobastank. I felt like it was the same song, except on the chorus, they stepped on the distortion pedal. Whereas on big empty, I felt like it was like the chorus is totally different than the verse and both were beautiful and they worked together uh his voice sounds so good on the intro i think he was sober for that i hope i hope so time to dig home and it's like sparse and uh you know it and and it sounds it i mean the movie is set in a fictionalized detroit and when i think about going to a fictionalized detroit in the early 90s when it was complete anarchy I think of that song playing. <laughs> it almost is like a... What's the name of the, the composer for all the movies? Sergio. Mm. You know, he did like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh. Why the fuck am I forgetting? Uh, Sergio Leone, is that it? Maybe. We'll have to, we'll have to look this up and Because you said, you said composer for all the movies, and my brain went James Horner. Which was he? <laughs> He's the one who did Titanic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, like, uh, oh, Jesus. Hans Zimmer, for those of you who love the Mission Impossible music. Yeah. Well, I, I will look it up because it's it's escaping me. But it had that sort of like the, instead of a, a cowboy in the Old West, it oh, had the feeling that. of a of a mm-hmm. cow a cow person in but in Detroit, when it's like dystopian Detroit, dystopian Detroit, and I thought that Which was perfect. Is kind of like real Detroit, like real Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the right so Detroit, I <laughs> yeah. mean, places where they're selling homes for a dollar and right. leveling entire city blocks to try and yeah. revitalize the city. Right? Yeah, I love Detroit, oh, too, and Jesus. I love the things that come from Detroit. Yeah. But yeah, 
Um, the other song, uh, I, I think the song Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails, which is a cover mm. of a suicide song, the, the, the No Wave band from like 1984, um, I thought, that is, I love, I mean, I think I really like Trent Reznor. I think he was too scary for me back in the day. Uh, and now as I get older, I think, I think that I would have been a huge fan of his if I had uh, been more risky and listened to him. That's a beautiful tune, man. I feel like uh, I feel like one of us is going to pick either "Pretty Hate Machine" or "The Downward yeah. Spiral" as as a episode as at I, some point because, yeah. again, you want to talk about someone who's done so much to influence yeah. an entire genre or era of music. Trent Reznor. Yeah completely steered the industrial oh I'm rock movement for right. 10 years and I and I felt he he did that and also about like I feel like he's like the perfect example of the solitary musician going into the studio and just like I'm not leaving here until I have 10 plus songs that I'm absolutely I totally did happy this with all myself and yeah. now I have to hire people to like right learn it to learn it yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I just I, I could I could pick I think I could pick one I wasn't as into it but I remember my dad some one of his when he was a music teacher one of his students lent him Nine Inch Nails and he like listened to it on the way home and was like completely blown away and I remember he like came home saying like you got to hear Nine Inch Nails Pretty Hate Machine I'm like really I heard they were like this like self mutilating satanic just some shit that whatever my Sunday school teacher told me at the time. Something about a metaphor for nine inch nails. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like we can do an elevator speech for a soundtrack because it well, doesn't. I don't feel like that question fits. And I but, feel like you should just say watch the movie because yeah. I think the movie. I watched the movie recently, and it's. I mean, it's it's a little dated, but it's 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 made by a renowned filmmaker. Uh, what is his name? He's made some great movies, so I mean, I he knows you know a great filmmaker is going to make a movie that anybody can like, um, but um, I, I don't. The elevator speech would be watch the movie <laughs> and listen to the soundtrack, and the experiences for both will be uh, res- respectively fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let me know what you thought mm-hmm. about it. I mean, I guess that leaves us with like, what are your favorite tracks on the? soundtrack definitely the 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 first two that i mentioned the cure one i really liked i think that was the i remember liking that song um and i'm like i said at the time i hated the cure until i had that mystical experience um at the bible school um every time i fall every time they keep calling me da, da, da. uh the darkness rage against the machine i liked uh the, uh the Violent Femmes one really um, got a, every song on here. I really, my life with a thrill kill cult. That's a good one. Jesus and Mary Chain. That was a great tune. Um, I would say at the end, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to this, the Stone Temple Pilots because sometimes I I like some of their songs, but um, sometimes it's easy for me to write them off as kind of a has been band led by a tragic lead singer. But like I gotta hearing that song reminds me that they wrote fucking. A plus songs. They did. I mean, you know. so I, I think that song, which was the uh, hit of that album, uh, deserved to be the hit. <laughs> I I struggle. My segue falls on the uh, tripping on a hole in a paper heart. Oh yeah, because <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it wound up in Guitar Hero in the uh, era of. We don't want to pay ASCAP fees. Right. Can you play it close enough? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and get your lawyer out and you. Uh, when you listen to the actual song, it's so much better. Oh, so much better! And, and it's just, and it's got. It almost remind me of like "Walk on the Wild Side," where it's like it's got patience, and it takes a while to get like the. That's what I don't like about shitty pop songs, is that I feel like the chorus hasn't earned our attention uh, because the the verses that brought us to it were like hasty and just a bag of tricks. Whereas this mm-hmm. one, I felt like uh, like. Walking the Wild Side, where the verses are patient, almost to the point where you're like, "Are we at the chorus yet?" And when the chorus hits, you're like, "Oh God, I earned every bit of this." So, or you don't realize that it's here because yeah. it took so long to get there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird long bus ride, and yeah. you just go, 
wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I have I have no more questions then. So, uh, uh, what did you think of it? I struggled a little, but I yeah. struggle in general with the soundtracks. Uh, and for, I could tell, you know, I could tell the, from like, your responses. <laughs> this one didn't. Well, it was kind of like I struggled. I've always struggled with like. I for a longest time I was the kid who buys the score from the movie. Yeah, yep. Instead of the soundtrack, you buy the because, Batman score instead of the Prince mm-hmm, because I wanted the Danny Elfman music right. that I heard in the movie, so that it would take me back to the movie, not music inspired by Batman and Robin. Right, it wasn't. You paid a bunch of people licensing fees. Right. And, now you're paying them ASCAP royalties for right. putting the, for selling fifty yeah. extra copies. Right, and an, and another uh, bag of tricks for soundtracks, I think, especially in the '90s, was they'd have like, "Hey, Third Eye Blind, do you have any B sides that you decided yeah. you didn't want to put on the album because they sucked?" But like, ten seconds sounds good, so we'll put it. Where's the junk song that <laughs> yeah, you have right. from your last record because right. you're kind of popular, right? Yeah, yeah. but this but is ten seconds of it will sound good in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we can play eight seconds of this and you'll get paid. Here yeah. you go. Like there's, I remember uh, there's there's a song by Third Eye Blind who I. A, uh, their first album is is probably my favorite album of all time, and it's nothing like anything else that I enjoy. <laughs> but they had a song called Horror Show on the Scream soundtrack, which is truly a dreadful song, except for the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus is like an apology, like, I'm sorry you had to listen to that. I'm to sorry here. I wrote these bad verses. Yeah. Here's a good, catchy chorus. Yeah. Oh. But in a movie, you could squeeze that into a scene where they're mm-hmm. like, you know, making out in the school gym, and that plays there, and... So, yeah, soundtracks are tricky. There was some real weirdness on here for me, yeah. like that Pantera track. That I, That's the one badge. I didn't like. Yeah, what? I didn't like that. And I like that doesn't Pantera feel like, a little bit. I love Pantera, yeah. even though, you know, right. statements regarding Phil Anselmo and his political affiliations right. and idiotic yeah. statements he makes from the stage aside i love pantera yeah, yeah, yeah. and that doesn't feel like pantera at all no. and, and it's and i feel like they didn't fit like i feel like the pantera would have beat up the jesus and mary chain <laughs> so like they would putting have, them on they would have beat them. up the jesus and mary and chain made fun of the rollins band for not going out <laughs> drinking with yeah, them right yeah and then just hung out with the guys from helmet that's exactly just, what happened yeah right. The Milk straight toast edge is pizza. a great song. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. one of my favorite. Oh, ones the helmet on, one. Yeah, I like that. One. Is on here, but it's yeah. It, it I don't know where it fits with right. Like the Cure. Yeah. I I agree that it's one of the more cohesive soundtracks right. I've heard. I didn't. Yeah. They could yeah they could have dropped a lot off off on here. Like uh, I thought the Violent Femmes was very timely. Uh, of course, Big Empty. Uh, but yeah, the Pantera one, the helmet was um, probably not totally necessary, other than introducing no. us to helmet. I love helmet. I yeah, almost, I love helmet too. I almost bought Betty. A, mm-hmm, yeah, um, milk toast, which is on here, mm-hmm. and some other fun ones. Yeah. Have you seen the movie? I have not. It, I'll probably yeah. It's probably free on Netflix right now. I think I might, so. I can't I imagine find, you won't like it. It's, if I find the time, I'll have to watch it. What's your favorite uh, type of movie? Depends on the time of year, really. Yeah. I mean, I watch a lot of comedy and I watch a lot yeah. of action. And then... There's right plenty in, of action. There's not a single moment of comic relief in The Crow. <laughs> oh, good. Well, right about now, I mean... I watch. I'll be watching a lot of classic film mm-hmm. and staying within while it's still at the time right. of us taping this. Prior right. to Halloween, right? I'll be dusting off old favorites like Fritz Lang's M, which yeah. is a movie about. It's a, it's a great uh, movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I wish. I wish the German censory board hadn't destroyed the entire, the original like three and a half hour right. cut. Like Criterion put on like as much as was even available. Yep, I have. I paid. 
we were talking earlier about how expensive yeah. VHSs are. I paid $60 for that DVD. <laughs> and yeah. it's yeah. worth every oh, penny it's because it's movie. every last available minute of that movie. And it's yeah. a movie that you mm-hmm. wouldn't think would be a favorite movie, but because it's about a man who's genetic, who's compelled to kidnap right. and murder children right. who's taken down by a gang of thieves right? because he's giving the other crooks in town a bad name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Peter Lorre's performance in that movie oh, is just un- astounding. Un- unbelievable. And that, that's and that's why a lot of people, like I know film classes will use his performance simply as a piece of history where like this is what good the movie's is. entirely in German yeah, so you yeah. have to sit and watch the subtitles right. but yeah. it's like yeah well well the uh, I would I would say if uh, my elevator speech to you with the crow is along with I think you would like it it's very halloweenish it's a very well made movie it was made by what is his name Alex Proyas or he made a movie um, called um, Dark City which is uh, Roger Ebert puts in like one of the greatest movies of all time. Like, he's a legit filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, that Brandon Lee is kind of like how Matthew McConaughey we spoke about in the last episode briefly. He, you know, he did silly rom coms, uh, and and then he started doing like uh, critically acclaimed drama and indie flicks. And people saw like, wow, this guy is not a one trick pony. He's a phenomenal actor. That's what Brandon Lee was in The Crow. Like, he made a Rapid Fire, the last showdown in Tokyo, and he was Bruce Lee's son. So his acting chops wasn't really what was interesting people. But his acting in, uh, like, I can't believe he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. A, because he died, and people love when people die, <laughs> you know, to give them to give them awards. Wow. Uh, but B, uh, his his acting in the, the, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, as, as an athlete... And as somebody who was like, man, my acting really sucked in these last movies. I'm actually going to try to do a good job here. And he does. And then he gets shot uh, while making the movie by a... uh, It wasn't even like a a blank. It was a blank that went bad is what killed him. At the same age of his dad. At the same age of several other celebrities. (laughs) There's not a lot of... uh... Big names in that cast, but Ernie Hudson's in. This? He's great in that movie. Oh, I love. I feel like Ernie Hudson is one. He he must smell really good. <laughs> like like uh, you know, if you like went to an old man's cribbage game and the, it all smells like uh, like uh, Old Spice and leather. I feel like that's what Ernie Hudson would smell like. There you have it, folks. Winston Zeddemore smells like Ernie. <laughs> smells like yeah. Old Spice and leather. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I need but to watch you Ghostbusters got, tomorrow. He's great in Ghostbusters. I he's love- uh, he's a great actor. He's, he's he's he plays like a cop who like uh, becomes a mentor to a troubled uh, Detroit gal who's looking for trying to help Eric mm-hmm. uh, Draven, the the Bruce Lee's character. Yeah, he's great in them. It's a it's an it's a fantastic movie. There's no way you won't like it. I I struggled with the soundtrack a little, particularly that it was weird. The Cure track that yeah. kicks it off, right. isn't it? It's borderline silent for almost the first yeah. minute, and I it's kept just the basis. I kept going. Is it playing? Yeah. I what, did I hit but, the wrong. When you watch the movie, that's the first scene of the movie is the Cure soundtrack, and it makes sense in the context of the movie. Seriously, I almost feel like we should do a addendum where Alex watches the Cure or watches the Crow, and then sees if he likes the soundtrack better. I bet, I bet you might do a uh, co podcast new episode with our friends Trevor and Cassidy, yeah. who have a, well, a podcast idea. called "Tell Me You've Seen This." That's right. Where I watch the movie for the first time, yeah. and then we talk about it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I should we should check on that one. Uh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Uh, but yes, please please watch it. Um, so uh, so for me, I was totally caught up with it. Uh, not as much as the Alice Cooper one, but pretty darn. No, not Pretty Darn Close. Alice Cooper has actually become a favorite album. The Crow reminds me of why I think that's a great movie. I think you'll love it, too. I'm sorry it didn't hit you as much, but I think if you watch it, it'll give you a better context. I think it, Take out the Pantera <laughs> and the helmet. I'll leave but, the helmet in. It's just, Right. It's helmet. I don't remember what happens. Uh, I think the Pantera was like a filler. Like There's a scene from a club, and Pantera's playing. I don't remember what helmet... 
um, was was playing. But uh, any, anyway, yeah, I think you should watch it. So, uh, w- do you have any ideas for next week? Hmm. What should we do for I next mean, the, week? The Beastie Boys one, I think, is a pretty solid mm. possibility. I kind of want to save the Beastie Boys yeah. one. Because I just, in having a conversation yeah. with April, I realized that a beloved album from my childhood is now 20 years old. Which and, one? Um, Something Like Human by Fuel. Jeez, I so haven't listened to those guys. I'm going to go with that one. And I, you know what? I, I think I could pick an album from that time period that also... Because that was like, what, ni- 1990? It's 2000. We looked it up last night. It just barely passes. And that had hemorrhage on it, right? It did. Which I almost picked for a Halloween one because that video was scary because everyone starts hemorrhaging. They start it. hemorrhaging. You know what I could pick then? Um you know, I haven't listened to the Third Eye Blind one in a long time. Could we do that? That yeah, was about the same it. time. All right, Third Eye Blind. That's self-titled. Self-titled Third Eye Blind. And then, actually, you know what? I haven't listened to Blue in years. So oh, what if we did you. Blue? Because I've listened to, I've listened, to, I, the red one, the the solo ones, or the, the debut is one of my favorites of all time. Blue <laughs> isn't, but I think I probably will like it. So I'll do Blue. Let's do feel. Blue because I think you'll know my... Uh... I think you'll know my opinion based on my reaction to you changing your mind. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lit right up. So, third eye blind, blue, and uh, fuel. Something like human. Something like human. Well, kids, thank you so much for joining us. Please check us out on social media, Facebook. We promise we're going to have an Instagram one of these days, but we're going to do a goal where we actually interact with our Facebook page. Uh, so we're please start with that. We'll, we'll start with that. Yes. <laughs> so please add albums from your past, re-listen to them, and see if they do live up to the magic. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Stovepipe. I'm Alex, and uh, see you on the other side. Good night, everybody. Good night.